Welcome to MSTAR students. We are glad you are joining for today's message. For more information about the ministry, visit our Instagram page and search MSTAR students. Now here's today's message. Alright, well good evening everyone. How's everyone's Thanksgiving? Fantastic, good. Hi. Alright, so you may notice here that... Yes, the projector is not working, the TV is not working. So... It's really, 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 really important that you're following along with the notes today. Really, really, really important because we're not going to have it up on the screen and to follow along with the message. It's really, 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 really important. But not just for the message as well, but also to take to small groups. Because during this time, I'm sure you guys are, while you're taking notes, you have some questions that you want to bring to your leaders. Your small group questions are in the back. So it's just as equally important to not just really, 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 really pay attention with the notes. But it's really, 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 really important that you take the notes to your small groups. I make an emphasis on how really, really, really important this is? Great. Okay. So, with that being said, we are going to start our new series called The Perfect, uh, the Perfect Gift. And over the next three weeks, we're going to take a look at the, the events surrounding the birth of Jesus Christ. Um, before that, I, I want to share a story with you guys. And it's about a teenage boy named Johnny. I don't know if you guys know Johnny or not. But it's about a boy named Johnny. And he's having a conversation with his dad. All right? And they're talking about different things. They're probably talking about the holidays, getting ready for certain things. And all of a sudden, out of left field, Johnny asks this question to his dad. And Johnny says, hey, Dad, did Grandma and Grandpa ever take you to church? Did you ever go to church with Grandma and Grandpa and things like that? And so the father answers Johnny, well, yeah, we went to church every Sunday. Your grandparents took us to church every Sunday, every Sunday, and things like that. Johnny pauses for a moment, and with sadness in his heart and in his expression, he says, oh, well, I guess church isn't going to do good for me then. I don't know if you get that or not, but what the boy is saying is that he's seen what his dad's actions have been while still going to church, that he thought, wow, Nothing's really going to change in my life if nothing has changed in my dad's life. And so tonight, we're, we're going to see what it means to, to be a witness for Christ. Why it's important as witnesses for Jesus Christ that our testimony stands strong when we're presenting the gospel. And we're going to look at the life surrounding John the Baptist, who was, who was called to witness about the Lord before he came. Before we do that, join me in prayer. God, I thank you for everyone that is here tonight, Lord. God, and we, we left up prayers to, to some of the students and some of, to our, some of our volunteer leaders who are not here this evening, Lord God, whether it's dealing with illness or dealing with some family issues, Lord God, or even for some that are away for the next few days. Father, I just lift them all up into prayer to you. And Father, I, I pray right now, Holy Spirit, that you are here, God. I pray that you just take over my speaking. 
uh, that it is your words, God, and not mine, as we go through the text about John and being true witnesses for Christ. Father God, I know as I was going through this, you convicted my heart, Lord God. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you can convict all of our hearts in here on how we can go to another level as we go out and witness about Jesus Christ this holiday season. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, so we are going to take a look, as I said, um, at the life surrounding a man named John. And we're going to take a look at some of the Gospels. All right, so for some of you who may not know what the Gospels are, the Gospel stands for good news. Okay? So the Gospels, there's four of them, are four good news messages about Jesus Christ. And there's four authors Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You guys remember them? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay? We're going to look specifically more in Luke and touch points in the other four. Now, for, for you guys to know about Luke, Luke was a follower with the Apostle Paul. So he, when Paul was doing his missionary work for the kingdom of God, he was following along with Paul. But what's great about Paul was that he was a physician, and he was also a historian as well. How many in here like history? How many of you like to study history? All right. You're all nerds with me. Great. All right. Um, <laughs> Paul writes like a historian. Actually, argument says that he was the first historian. So Paul writes in very detail. He writes in a, in a sequence form. And you're going to see that through the scriptures when we go through Luke. Now, there's another gospel we're going to look at as well. And it was written by John. Now, this isn't the same John that we're going to be studying about. The John that we're going to be studying about was actually cousins to Jesus. Okay? The author John was one of the 12 disciples who followed Jesus in his times. You guys understand that? So John that we're looking at was Jesus' cousin. The John who wrote the book was one of Jesus' followers. And the way John writes, he talks about the miracles and signs of what Christ did and, and to prove that he was the Messiah, that he is the king that everyone has been waiting for. So with that being said, we're going to look at the scenes surrounding um, John, Jesus' cousin, and we're going to see by looking at his future parents, Elizabeth and Zechariah. And Zechariah is serving as a priest to the Lord, and during this time, uh, he is actually called to go into the temple to burn incense and pray to the Lord on behalf of the people and on behalf of himself. And at this time, Elizabeth and Zechariah are praying for a child. They haven't had a child for many years. And for, in that culture, in that time, some people think that they were actually cursed by God. That somehow they sinned and so God wouldn't give them kids, which wasn't true. But we'll see as in the scriptures, we're starting at Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 13 we will see a conversation that happens with Zechariah and an angel who appears to him named Gabriel about some of his prayers. So Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 13, and it's on your sheet, and it reads as follows. Do not be afraid, Zechariah. Time out for a second. Imagine you encountering an angel, and the first thing the angel says, don't be afraid. I still think I'd be a little fearful. I don't know about you. Anyways, don't be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. And you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth. 
for he will be great before the Lord. And he must not drink wine or strong drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will run... He will turn many to the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready for the Lord a people prepared. So the angel tells Zechariah, Zechariah, we've heard your prayers. And, and, and there's two prayers that are being answered here. The first one is about Zechariah and Elizabeth having a baby. He says, congratulations, you are going to have a baby. He's going to be a baby boy. His name is going to be John. And he's going to witness about the coming Messiah, which is the second answered prayer. Because for over 400 years at this point, no one has heard from God. There's been no prophets. It's been silent. It's one of the darkest times in history in Israel. The Roman Empire has come in and conquered. They're crucifying people left and right. And people are starting to doubt if the Messiah is actually going to come, if they can actually trust in God. And Gabriel says to, to Zechariah, they can trust in me. You can trust in me, Zechariah and Elizabeth, because I'm giving you a boy. And oh, by the way, he's not just going to be a baby boy. He's going to be a boy who's going to prepare the people for the coming Messiah. John, the author John, in chapter 1, actually tells us how a little bit of what uh, Jesus, or not Jesus, what John, Jesus' cousin says, does. In verse 6, in chapter 1 of John, on your sheet, it says, There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. But he was not the light, but he but came to bear witness about the light. And so, you would think at this point, Zechariah would be jumping up for joy. He would be so excited, like, oh my goodness, I can start praising God. Thank you so much for answering my prayer, not just for a baby boy, but the Messiah is coming. And on top of that, my son is going to prepare the people for the Messiah. How great is this? But that's not how he responds, actually. Zechariah actually responds in doubt. He doubts what the angel has said. He even doubts at the fact that this is actually going to happen. And then we see, because of that doubt, starting back in Luke, starting at verse 19, the angel responds to Zechariah's doubt. And he says, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God, and I was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place, because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. Highlight, circle, underline that last part, which will be fulfilled in their time. Gabriel is automatically making a proclamation here saying, you doubted, I'm going to keep you silent for nine months. Elizabeth might have been happy that her husband didn't speak for nine months during her pregnancy. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but Gabriel also assures him, what I have told you will come to pass. And so time goes by, nine months go by as John is about to be birthed, and, and there's, um, there's actually a, a commotion that goes on during this time as, as the birth of John comes. There are family members who are like, what are we going to name him? 
If you didn't know already, they do end up naming him John. Sorry to spoil it all for you. But there was this commotion of like, oh, well, we should name him Zachariah because we should name him after the father. And Elizabeth insists that, no, we're going to name him John. And so there's this dispute. And then they finally go to John, or I'm not, not John, to Zechariah, and say, Zechariah, please tell us the final verdict of what we're going to name your son. And we see this in Luke, verse 62, in chapter 1 still, and it says, And they made signs to his father, inquiring, inquiring what he wanted him to be called. And he, being Zechariah, asked for a writing tablet and wrote, His name is John. And they all wondered. And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue loosened, and he spoke, blessing God. And fear came on all their neighbors. And all these things were talked about through all the hill country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts, saying, that, What then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord is with them, with him. And they were right. The hand of the Lord was with him because Gabriel said as we, in the beginning that he is going to serve as a purpose. He's going to serve as a witness to prepare the people for the Messiah. And in Luke chapter 3, verse 3, we actually see that John's mission as a witness for Christ is to, procla- to proclaim a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sin. Luke 3, verse 3. His job as a witness is to proclaim a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. Now some of you in here, maybe you're, you're a new believer. Maybe this is your first time here listening to, to the message regarding uh, this Bible uh, event that happened. And you're like, okay, what, is, what does repent mean? What does baptism mean? I'm a little confused here right now. So the first line that should be there, uh, repent, and you fill in the blank. Your first word there is repent, which is for a change in a person's attitude toward God that affects one's actions and life choices. So when you repent, you decide this action that I'm taking is not glorifying God. I am going to change that action and make it into an action that does glorify God. Okay? And the second line is baptize. Baptize means to dip or immerse. So John baptized with water, and it symbolized that the sins of the people were cleansed. So when we have a baptism of repentance... We are immersing ourselves to change our attitudes and our life choices. When we have a baptism of repentance, we are immersing ourselves to change our attitudes and life choices. We are taking action to make sure that our lives look the way that Christ did. Now, we'll never be perfect like Christ. That's why we yield to Him. We lean on Him as our Lord and Savior. But he models a way on how we should live a Christ-like lifestyle here. Which leads me to my my main point or my sticky point for tonight is that John served as a witness for Jesus Christ. God gives us all we need to be true witnesses. John served as a witness to Jesus Christ. God gives us all we need to be true witnesses 
for him as well. And there's two ways we can serve as witnesses for Jesus Christ. The first one is available or availability. We must be available. We must be available for Christ. Because here's the thing. God isn't looking for your ability. He isn't looking at how eloquent you, you are as well. He doesn't care like how you dress or what abilities you have. Granted, he, he gave you the abilities. But you can have all the abilities in the world, but you may not be available to listen to him. Let me give you a quick example. In Matthew, they describe what John looked like. In Matthew 3, starting at verse 3, which we're not going to go there. You can go read it on your own. It describes who John was. And John had long hair. He wore like camel skin type clothing. Had a leather belt around him. Lived in the desert. And ate honey and locusts. Locusts. Like flies. Type. Now in western culture today, we would think that guy would be insane. We would think that John would be insane and that he would need to be locked up somewhere. And we wouldn't think sometimes that he has the ability or he's capable of being a witness for Christ. But on the inside, in his heart, he was available to be a witness for Christ. Let me ask you guys this question. Have you ever thought why you were born in this time, in this age? Have you ever thought, why wasn't I born 100 years ago? Or why can't I be born 100 years from now? And you, you always question, how many has ever been there? Who's been there? Okay, here's the answer. God wanted you to be a witness today. God didn't want you to be a witness 100 years ago. He didn't want you to be a witness 200 years ago. He didn't want you to be a witness 1,000 years ago. He doesn't want you to be a witness 100 years from now or 200 years from now or 1,000 years from now. He wants you to be a witness today. And this generation, at this specific time, And so it's very, very, very important for us to be available when those opportunity comes to be witnesses for Jesus Christ. Because we all, all of us, including myself and the rest of the leaders, we all have family members, friends, co-workers, classmates who don't know Jesus, but they are watching you. They're watching you as believers, and they're trying to see, does what you say match up with your walk? And they want to know, can I truly believe you as a witness, or are you just a false witness? Is your, is your testimony for Christ true, or are you just another one, one of those churchgoers who says one thing in church, but then you use God's name in vain the moment you get out of church? And so, yeah. So, point number one be available. Be available as a witness for Christ. And the second thing is obedience. You want to be obedient as a witness to Christ. We're going to turn to Matthew 3, verse 13. And we're going to see here a point where John was obedient even though he was confused. John was obedient even though he was confused and maybe even didn't want to do what's about to take place. So in Matthew 3, 13, it says the following. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to see John, to be baptized by him. And John would have prevented him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? 
But Jesus answered him, Let it be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he, being John, consented. So even though John was confused about what Jesus was doing, because John saw Jesus come, he's like, that's the Messiah. That's the king. That's the guy I've been telling you all about. Here he is. And Jesus comes to John and says, hey, I want you to baptize me. And John's like, what? Come again? You're, you're the king. You're the one who should be baptizing me. You're the one who should be baptizing everyone else, not the other way around. And Jesus tells him, no, no, no. I need you to do this. And even though he was confused about it, he didn't want to do it, he, was still, he still did it anyways because he was obedient to the Lord. I think this brings up to a point that we must be available to share the truth and we must be obedient to the word of God. We must be available to share the truth and we must be obedient to the word of God. And I get it. Maybe as witnesses for Christ, maybe there is fear to talk about Christ. I don't know if it's happening in your schools or not, but I do hear there are rumors in some schools that you can get detention for praying you can get detention for even speaking the name of Jesus Christ or even bringing out a Bible or even bringing a, a, a religious book, per se. And I get it. That, that, that can be fearful. You're like, well, how am I supposed to talk about Jesus if this is going to happen? And, and, and I'll, say, I'll say this. Maybe there's another fear that you're actually afraid of what someone else is going to say. Maybe... And I'm not here to call anyone out or anything like that, but maybe you come to a Wednesday night and you think, oh man, this is my safe haven because I'm surrounded by everyone else who believes like me, acts like me, and it's just for us. We're not a country club. The church is a hospital. The church is a hospital to help those who are sick. And ladies and gentlemen, we're all sick. We're all sick. We're all sinners, including your friends and families and co-workers who don't know Jesus Christ, who claim to not be Christians. And I encourage you, if you do have friends and you're like, oh man, I really want to bring them, but I'm really afraid of what they're going to say, just invite them. Just invite them. And that's just a stepping stone for them to hear the gospel message. And my hope and prayer is that eventually you'll be able to start witnessing them, pointing them to the scriptures yourself, because it's not just about what I say up here on Wednesday night. It's not about what the leaders say in small groups on Wednesday night. It's about what we all do on a consistent basis every day of the week. Because how many of you here are saying that you're followers of Christ? If you raise your hand, you said, yes, I'm committed to following Christ. Okay, we are all ministers to the Word of God. We are all witnesses to the Word of God. So my goal in the next coming year is to help you grow as disciples to witness to those in your school, at home, wherever you may be. But in the meantime, if you're afraid to just even bring up Scripture, you're maybe not sure about Scripture, just say, come to Wednesday night. We have fun, and then there's this weird guy who talks about the Scriptures, and then, you can, and then they can choose on their own what they want to do. And maybe that's what we're so fearful of, is that when they say no to Jesus, that they're saying no to us. And we take that as a personal hit and we're like, oh man, what did I do wrong? It's not what you did wrong. You didn't do anything wrong. Jesus tells us, if they hated me, they'll hate you. 
So it's not that they hate you, they hate what Jesus is saying. And that's their choice. And I think sometimes we want to be the Holy Spirit for people and say, no, you've got to believe in Jesus now. Is it, my, is it our mission as followers of Christ for, to see people come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior? Yes, absolutely. But I also know in the back of my mind, not everyone is going to choose in this time, but at least we have the ability to plant a seed. And now as followers of Christ, we, um, as witnesses, as I said, there are people watching us. And if we go back to the analogy with the little boy and his father, the fruits that the father was saying did not match up with his actions. And maybe you're in here tonight and you're like, okay, so what are these fruits or what is the example that we need to be setting as followers of Christ? And I don't think I necessarily put these um, on here, but it's Galatians 5. Verse 19. Galatians 5, starting at verse 19. And here Paul, the author of this, gives us two um, ways of living. We either live by the flesh, a spirit of the flesh, or we live by the spirit of Jesus Christ. And here are the two different viewpoints. So in Galatians 5.19. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, amenity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I don't know about you. There are some of those things in there. I look at anger. How many has ever had some anger issues? Okay, how many of you um, have ever been jealous before? How many of you have ever envied someone before? And so there's other things in here as well. But we read in verse 25, or continuing on, what the fruit of the Spirit looks like. It is love. It is joy. It is peace. It is patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self Control. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I don't know about you, but when I read some of these things, I have a lot of work to do. I, I, I see some of these things and I realize I need to lean into my Savior, Jesus Christ, and say, God, forgive me. God, forgive me for not loving people the way I should love people. God, forgive me for not having a joyful heart like I should for people. God, forgive me for not being peaceful for those around me who may not think the way I am. God, forgive me for not being patient towards people. God, forgive me for not being kind towards others. God, forgive me for not being faithful, having faithfulness towards you. God, forgive me for not being gentle with others. God, forgive me for not having self-control in different areas of my life. I don't know where you are today, 
Maybe, maybe you don't know God. Maybe, maybe you don't want anything to do with God because you've, you've grown up in a place where you've been put down by every action and they've, they've beaten you so much about judgment and condemnation that you don't feel love, that you don't think God is a loving God out there, that he's not gracious and that every step you make, he's somehow getting ready to throw lightning bolts at you. Or maybe you're someone in here who proclaims to be a Christ follower, but as you, we read some of these things about the flesh, uh, the fleshly desires versus the fruit of the Spirit, you're like, I've been walking more with the flesh than the Spirit. As we, go and, as we end here, as we get ready for a time of worship, I, I encourage you to really take some time to, to pray and, and self-reflect on where you need to grow. Maybe, maybe as we've read these, you, you're like, I've been all about the flesh, and I don't want to anymore, and I don't know where to start. I don't know what that looks like. I encourage you. I'm not gonna, it's very easy for me to say, will someone raise their hand and become a follower of Christ? But it's another thing for you to step out of faith, to come to the altar, come talk to me, come talk to one of our leaders in the back or somewhere, and say, I want to know what it means to be a Christ follower. And here's the thing. You may be looking around in this room and you may be saying, well, what if they don't go up? Or what if he doesn't go up? Or what if she doesn't go up? It doesn't matter if they go, they go up or not. It's about what's the conversation between you and God. So if you believe in your heart right now that God is like talking at you, like, I need to grasp and have this relationship with Christ and start walking in the Spirit, I want you to come forward. If you're someone in here who you've committed your life to Christ, but you're saying, I'm struggling and living in some of these ways, I want you to come up and pray. We want to pray for you. Come to the altar during this time of worship. That's what we're here for. We're here to worship. We're here to ask for prayer. We're here to give glory to God in knowing that He can walk us through all these things. And through a time and through a process, our witness for Christ We're going to bring joy to people this Christmas season. Let's join me in prayer. God, I thank you for tonight, Lord. God, I look in my heart as we go through these scriptures. I look at my own stuff, Lord God. And I need, to, I need to personally ask for forgiveness in my, in my times of pridefulness. And I need to ask for forgiveness in times when I'm not patient with other people, Lord God. Father, forgive me for trying to be the Holy Spirit for people when it is your job to be the Holy Spirit, Jesus. You sent the Helper to guide every single one of us in our walks and our ways, Lord God, wherever we are at. So, Father, if there's anyone in here tonight who, who don't know you as Lord and Savior, Holy Spirit, can I just pray right now that you get a hold of their hearts, Lord God. And, Father, if there's people in here who, who see, as we talked about, walking in the flesh versus walking in the Spirit, God, if they notice anything where they're like, I need to repent from these choices and go over here. Father, I pray that they come to the altar and they come to you and seek you, God, in knowing that they don't have to fear man, they don't have to fear judgment, they don't have to fear condemnation. When they come to you and bowing with all their heart and their soul and saying, God, I trust in you, I believe in you, I need you right now, I need your love, I need your grace and your mercy to get me through. 
this struggle. And Father, for us who have called ourselves Christians as followers of Christ, Lord God, I pray that we are available to share the truth and that we are obedient to your word, Lord God. I pray all of us in this room, whether it's this week or in the next coming weeks as we prepare for the Christmas season, Lord God, when we're with family and friends and loved ones and people we may not have seen for a while, Lord God, I pray for an opening where we can be witnesses for your kingdom, Lord Jesus. That we can be witnesses and have opportunities to talk about you, Jesus, and how you're impacting our lives and how you can impact others' lives as well. Father, we give you the glory and the praise of what you're doing here and what you have done just this year in 2019, Lord God. And we look forward to what's going to come in the year 2020. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We hope you're encouraged and equipped by this message. For more messages like these, download the Spotify app and search MSTAR Students Ministry. Have a great week, and we hope you join us again.